Well, welcome. Now, I presume, I presume you guys are here because you are uh, students or at least um, working with students. I have been working with students for many years and um, really just wanted to speak into the student world for a moment. University is a fascinating season in people's lives. It's a unique moment. And uh, we sense as the cause team that there is something that the Lord wants to do to this among the student generation. Um, it's been a really, as, we've, as we keep talking about, it's been a, a challenging couple of years. Um, but how many of you know that out of every moment or season of opposition, God always brings opportunity. Out of every time of disappointment or trial or trauma, hope always emerges. And so I have a real strong sense that God is going to release something incredible upon the students of the vineyard. And um, yeah, that's what God does, right? He always brings beauty out of places of brokenness. And so I don't know how you've felt being a student over the last couple of years. I know for our guys, it has been challenging. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about the cultural landscape in which we find ourselves and some of the language that we've been using or that I'm gonna be sharing about now, um, it just seems to be keep, keeps returning over the course of this weekend. It's fascinating. It's almost like the Lord is saying something. Um, but here, here's where I wanna start. I believe that there's a marking on you, on this generation to step into the story that God is writing at your university, wherever you find yourselves. I believe God wants to release the kingdom of God through you in your time and in your generation in remarkable ways. I don't know where you find yourself at with your journey with Jesus. Maybe you're a brand new Christian. Maybe you're still exploring faith or maybe you've been grown up in church, been a Christian your whole life, but you need to know that there is more for you. There is more for you. And I just think today God wants to impart something, and stir something, and breathe upon the students that are in this room this afternoon. I apologize for my voice. Sounds like I'm going through puberty again. Um, but God wants to stir something. He wants to reawaken something. And actually, he's looking for a generation just to say yes. And as I shared earlier, that is literally the only thing God wants. He just wants people who are willing to stand up and say, yes, Lord, here I am, use me, Isaiah 6. God, I'm here, I'm in. I don't have all the answers. I don't know what it really takes or what it looks like. But actually, if you're willing to take that front foot forward step, God will use you to change the world. So that's what we're gonna look at today. Um, let, me, let me just give you three defining characteristics of our cultural moment, which hopefully will be helpful, which I heard just a rumor that these guys in the last seminar uh, were talking about it. This is where I want to start. That it's vital to know in order to thrive in the season we find ourselves in to recognize that we live in exile. I mentioned this earlier, but do you realize that you guys are aliens? Hey, turn to your neighbor and just say, you are an alien. You do not belong. You do not belong to this world. You were designed and purposefully placed exactly where you are so that you would look, live, and love differently to the culture that you find yourselves. If you call yourself a Christian and look like the world around you, I would argue that you are not fulfilling the purposes of God in your time. This world is not our home. 
we live in a world which is completely at odds with the ways, the values, the culture, uh, and the principles of the kingdom of heaven. Uh, John Mark Comer says this, we have known for a long time that we live in a post-Christian world, but there has been a disorienting shift towards Christians in our world today. If you read much of the mainstream media, follow the most, most vocal on social media, particularly in your generation and the emerging generations, the shift is really that radical followers of Jesus are not so much seen as the odd guest at a wedding and more like the enemy. People are increasingly hostile towards the church and increasingly hostile towards those faithful to the way of Jesus. Christians are being made to feel more and more alienated and university is a hotbed for this. I wonder if you felt that. I wonder if you've sensed that at all. Or to put it another way, we live in exile. So how do we effectively not just survive, but thrive in our exile moment? How do we say yes to Jesus while at university? Well, here's a couple of options. Option A is we don't, we don't thrive in exile. We don't say yes to the way of Jesus. We choose to compromise on our convictions. We live like the world and we allow ourselves to adopt the cultural clothes of society so that we can blend in and avoid any sort of discomfort but that then renders us ineffective followers of Jesus. Option B is that we edit the way of Jesus to make it more palatable. We cut out all the little bits of the Bible that we don't like, which are almost not up to date on what the world thinks. And I would argue that also renders us ineffective. Is there an option C, which is a way to live and thrive and fulfill the call of God in our time? And I think there is. I think that looks like surrender. I think it looks like an all-in faith for Jesus and his kingdom, no matter the cost, no matter how hard, how narrow the road. And it's an invitation that Jesus gives every single one of us. Jesus would say, just like he did to his first disciples, hey, I want you to follow me. I want you to apprentice under me. I want you to walk in my ways, listen to my words, immerse yourself in my life. The old rabbis used to have a saying, or there was a blessing in Jewish culture, which used to go something like, um, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. And the idea is that you would walk so closely behind your rabbi that the dust from his feet would just sprinkle on you. And when, when you were apprenticing under a rabbi, it wasn't like you go to a classroom and you sit and listen to someone almost like this. It was like you you shared your life with the rabbi and that's what Jesus wants for you guys. So we live in a, a world of exile. Uh, the second thing we gotta remember is we now live in post-pandemic culture. There is so much unseen trauma, pain, disappointment, anxiety, fear, relational distance that has come as a consequence of the last 18 months. It's been a shattering experience. The tectonic plates of our culture have shifted. It's not going back to the same. And it almost feels like we're slightly back to normal, but actually we're going to feel the ripple effects of these last two years for a long time. And it's actually so helpful to know that if we want to be effective in reaching our friends and our course mates and those at university with us. One mental health professional has even coined a new condition called post-pandemic stress disorder. Isn't that crazy? And this is how that, that, um, that professional described that condition. From the uncertainty around the pandemic, the unexpected nature of it all, having been locked away for a year, the horrific headlines every day, the losses of life, the financial difficulties, the conflict with governments, 
it has been a relentless bad news story that hasn't let up. Let me tell you, let me ask you a question, guys. Is there any good news in the midst of all this bad news? Yes. Who said no? Get out. Is there good news for your flatmate who is racked with anxiety? Is there good news for the course mate who has just been isolated and lonely and struggling? Is there good news for that guy you see in the nightclub that under the surface has so many issues and you've always known something is not quite right and you want to go and have a chat to him? Is there good news for that person you've just bumped into on the street that can't cope with the workload since coming back to uni? Yes, there is good news and his name is Jesus. You need to recognize, guys, as you step onto university come Monday morning, that you carry the hope that everyone is searching for. You carry the answer that people are longing for deep down. You have the Holy Spirit. I, I, I read a quote, I don't know where it's from, but someone said, if, if I physically knew that Jesus was in the next room to me at every moment praying for me, it would mean that uh, I would approach every situation with no fear at all. The reality is the Bible says that Jesus himself is praying for us. Think about that, he's praying for us. When you step onto university, when you go into your lecture halls or back to course mates or whatever, Jesus is praying for you. That should change the game. So we live in post-pandemic culture. There's a loneliness epidemic. There's a hopelessness epidemic. There's an identity crisis and mental health epidemic. Suicide rates among students are skyrocketing. People are searching for meaning and purpose and destiny. In other words, sounds like a bleak picture, but there has never been a better opportunity for revival on our university campuses. There's never been a better opportunity. So how can we be the answer? Well, in order to answer that question, I think there's something we need to recognize about church culture. So we've talked about living in exile, the general culture. We've talked about post-pandemic culture and the brokenness that is seen on our campuses. But what about church culture? Hands up if you love Zoom. Hands up if you hate Zoom. <laughs> Zoom has been a gift for a season, right? But actually, um, the temptation is that the church would become Zoomified. It is hard to make real connection, a real relationship over Zoom, which is so vital to a flourishing faith. But as the church on the whole, there has been after effects of the distance that has been created through the pandemic. Pre-pandemic, they used to give this stat that 20% of people in church used to do 80% of the evangelism, right? So only a small 20% used to do 80%. I would think that now, post-pandemic, that 20% has shrunk even more. And what's happened is that we've experienced spiritual atrophy, like our spiritual faith-sharing muscles and regathering muscles have shrunk because we haven't worked them out. And all that to say, when Jesus said that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few, I would say that's never been more true than now. We have thousands of students at university all hungry for more, all in a place of brokenness and longing and desperation and pain, not sure who to turn to. And we have a church that has the answer and just needs to be set on fire again for Jesus and his kingdom. The harvest is plentiful. You know, Jesus changed the world with 11 friends. 
I don't know how many of us are here in this room passionate about students, but I wonder what would happen if every single one of us would take a, take a moment to step in and step out into the story that God is writing on university campuses, take some risks, share our faith, build team, invite people on the journey of following Jesus. I believe that the face of our campuses across the nation would change forever. God has a better story to tell university. It's a story of love and faith and hope and peace and joy. It's a story of deep rest amongst universities of great anxiety. It's a story of steadfastness among the shaking of our world. And people are going to be asking questions, students, those around you, as they look to your life, they will be asking questions about who you are and where's your hope and what you put your trust and your faith in. So how do we, as students, say yes to Jesus? How do we say yes in a post-pandemic culture, in an exile environment, which is pressuring us to compromise at every turn? How can we step into that incredible story? I've got a bunch of points. What time do I have till today, by the way? Does anyone know? Is it like four? 4.15, okay, well, look, we're gonna have lots of time for ministry at the end, but I, I thought it'd be helpful, hope it's helpful to give you like some top tips of how to thrive at university if you wanna step into all that God has for you guys. And the first thing I need you to know is who you are. It's impossible, I think, to change the world and leave a legacy beyond yourself if you are unsure about who you are and whose you are who God has made you to be. This has to be the foundation for everything. Before Jesus started his ministry, before he cast out demons, before he healed the sick, before he raised the dead, before he did anything of note, we see this story in the Gospels where Jesus was baptized and he goes under the water and he comes out of the water and we hear these phenomenal life-changing words that you need to hear today before you do anything of significance, and this is what the Father spoke over his son, you are my son, you are my son, I love you, and I'm pleased with you, you are my son, like you belong to me, you are mine, I love you, I delight in you, and I'm pleased with you, Jesus hadn't done anything to deserve that, and in a world on campuses, a university culture, which is full of so many fractured identities and confusion, knowing who you are, I think, is the best gift you could possibly offer the universities. Being secure in, hey, this is who I am, people will see you from a mile off and say, what is there about you? And maybe you've been spoken uh, words over your life in the past which have caused you to um, believe lies about yourself. You need to know that you are his, a son or a daughter of the king. He loves you. He's pleased with you. Maybe you've been um, trying to succeed in life in order to win God's affection or affirmation or maybe parents' approval. You need to know that that's not how God works. Before you do anything, he speaks these words over you. This is our identity. Our identity is first and foremost rooted and grounded in the fact that you are God's kid. He's your perfect father. He's crazy about you. He's head over heels in love with you. Do you get that? Do you understand that? 
It's a life-changing revelation that actually the Holy Spirit brings, and we'll pray into that later. But you are not defined by success or your attractiveness or what people think about you or followers on social media or how many people love you. All of those things are fleeting like the wind. Have you ever tried punching the wind? It doesn't do anything. I've tried it doesn't make a mark, doesn't make it. And do you know what the, what the world says is success and fame and glory actually is not God's idea of that. You don't have to earn that. You just need to rest in how God feels about you. Because the thing is, if you put your hope in anything else other than your father, if you put your hope in even your exam grades or, or your career or your future dreams or your social media or, or just that mask that you present on Instagram, when that gets taken away, all of a sudden you are left shaken. The reality is that every single one of us will have our wilderness moments and we've been through that over the last two years, seasons of struggle and trial. I think a beautiful thing that the pandemic has done is that it's revealed to us where we are putting our hope. Is our hope in Jesus alone? If it's not, then we will find out. So we belong to him. Go back to university this week knowing who you are. And if you know who you are, you will be an influencer instead of being just influenced. You will be the thermostat instead of just a thermometer because you were designed and purposefully placed in every environment you are, filled with the Holy Spirit, carrying the the fragrance of heaven in order to bring light in dark places and hope where there is hopelessness. And this changes how we live because when you're confronted with an opportunity to compromise, you remember who you are. You don't do anything in order to uh, receive approval because you've already got the approval of God, which changes everything. But then we live from a place of knowing who I am and whose I am. When we're confronted with an opportunity to cheat at university or compromise sexually, whatever it is, remember who you are. Remember who you are. I'm a son. I'm a daughter of the king. That isn't fitting for my new way of life. Know who you are. It's so important. My second encouragement to you in order to thrive at university is this. Spend your life for the kingdom. Spend your life. Paul says in one of the New Testament epistles that he is, his life is being poured out as a drink offering. His life, Paul, I love about Paul, he spent his days completely for the king and his kingdom. Let me ask you a question. Where are you heading? What are you orienting your life towards? Where are you investing your days? Is anyone here into interior design? Anyone watch Interior Design Masters on Netflix? Just me and my wife, <laughs> date night. In interior design, they have this thing called the focal point of the room when they like, you know, what, the focal point of the room is the thing that everything points towards. So for many people, it's like the TV and you direct everything around the TV. What's the focal point of your life? What is everything else in your world directed towards? Is it about achieving a, a successful career, which is not a bad thing? Is it about getting married, which is not a bad thing? Is it about being popular amongst your friends and having a great social media following, which is not necessarily a bad thing? The thing is, all of those good things can become God things when we put our hope and our trust 
in them. John Piper, who's a pastor in the States, said this quote, and um, I should have put it on the screen, but I haven't done. This is, uh, this is what he says. You don't have to know a lot of things for your life to make a lasting difference in the world, but you do have to know the few great things that matter and then be willing to live and die for them. The people that make a durable difference in the world are not the people who have mastered many things, but who have been mastered by a few great things. At university, there are so many options. You're at a very unique season of your life where you could do anything. Let me encourage you, while all that stuff is amazing, have Jesus as the focal point of your room. He goes on to say, if you want your life to count, hands up if you want your life to count. If you wanna live a life beyond yourself and leave a legacy past your days, life is short. Your time at university is short, but if you want your life to count, if you want the ripple effects of the pebbles you drop into, drop to become waves that reach the ends of the earth and roll on for centuries and into eternity, John says you don't have to have a high IQ or a high EQ. You don't have to have good looks or riches, thankfully. You don't have to come from a fine family or a fine school. You just have to know a few great, majestic, unchanging, obvious, simple, glorious things and be set on fire by them. Jesus is real. He is really risen from the dead. He is alive. He is in this room and he lives in you. And he wants to use you to bring hope to the world. A career is too small a goal for your life. A university degree is too small a goal for your life. What if we were captured by a bigger goal, which is the kingdom of God? Here's what it means to be a kingdom people. In every place, in every moment, at university, in halls, everything we say and think and do being a conduit through which the kingdom of heaven breaks into the earth. We are kingdom people. My third encouragement to you, first one was, um, know who you are. Second one was spend your life for the kingdom. Here's my third one. Take risks. Get out of the boat. If you want to change the world, we have to start taking risks. That might look really simple. Just walking across a room, saying hey to someone you don't know. Starting up a prayer gathering and praying for students that don't know Jesus on campus. One of my risks, which made me look like an absolute loser, was when I was at university. I stood up on a bus full of students and invited them to church. It was embarrassing, and I don't know if anyone came, but it was almost irrelevant. I knew I had to do something in that moment, and I stood up and I shouted and got everyone's attention and gave them flyers for church as they left the bus. And there will be moments you look stupid and it looks ridiculous, but actually I, I don't want to see our generation, because of what we've come through with the pandemic, lose our faith edge. John Wimber said, faith is spelled risk. Faith is important. Risks are inextricably linked to faith. Faith isn't something that you believe. Faith is something that you do. Faith is something that you live out. It's easy to say, yeah, I believe that Jesus heals today and then never pray for anyone. It's easy to have a philosophy or a religious belief about something, 
But faith means that we have to step out of the boat and take a risk. Hey, can I pray for you? I know this seems crazy, but I just get a sense that God might be saying this to you. What do you think? University is an opportunity to take more risks than you know possible. And I wanna encourage you to do that. Jesus wants to use you in remarkable ways. I remember praying for someone, what I thought at the time was an exorcism in a nightclub. It's moments of like darkness that the kingdom of God breaks in. The only thing God requires of us is our ability to simply go, okay, that's it. Doesn't matter how good you are, doesn't matter about having the right words, let me encourage you to step out the boat. And that will look like looking at an idiot for Jesus, I promise you, because it happens to me almost hourly. When you step out the boat, you put yourself at risk of looking like a loser. But let me tell you, when you fail, Jesus loves it. Jesus actually doesn't care that much about you failing, getting it wrong. We think it's the worst thing in the world, but I'm not sure he does. And he doesn't really care that much about your comfort either, which I know is terrifying because it's often the biggest thing that we are concerned about. Take risks, get out of the boat, and God responds to that. You know, there were tw two times that Jesus was astonished in the Gospel of Luke. Twice. The first time um, was in response to the centurion's faith. Remember that story in the, in the Gospels when Jesus was astonished by the centurion's faith? The second time is when Jesus is astonished by a town's lack of faith. In the first story, he was astonished by the centurion's faith and he, centurion's servant got radically healed. In the second story, Jesus was astonished by their lack of faith and it says in the text that Jesus couldn't do miracles there because of their lack of faith. Taking risks, somehow, I don't have a theology for it, I don't really understand it, somehow stepping out the boat brings heaven to earth in a crazy way. When we don't, things, sometimes God moves, sometimes God doesn't, but I think God is attracted to faith. Take risks, guys, we wanna hear stories. I wanna hear stories of you starting up outreach ministries at nightclubs and praying for people to be freed from demons. We wanna hear stories of healings and people being set free. God wants to use you in this time. Um, next point, I'm just gonna smash through these. And I hope these are helpful. They're just like, I think some of the things that I wish I'd developed more at university. Build a life in the dark. What I mean by that is cultivate your a deep, intimate, personal relationship with Jesus. You will only go as far in terms of making a difference in the world as your relationship with Jesus is deep. Does that make sense? If there's no depth to your walk with Jesus and intimacy with the Lord behind closed doors, um, you will always be limited on how far you'll go in the public realm, as it were. I'd encourage you to get some time. Adam's done a brilliant job of exploring this this morning, but get some time with Jesus every day. Drink deeply from him. Your life with Jesus is more important than I think anything else in the world. In fact, everything else in your life, every bit of fruit flows from your connection with Jesus. In John 15, Jesus talked about the vine and the branches. At university, if you wanna bear fruit and bring light and hope and freedom and lead people to Jesus, 
and see God move in supernatural ways, you have to stay connected with the vine. And apart from him, you can do nothing. So how is your life with Jesus, if you are honest? I hope this weekend is a significant moment for a fresh start. And let me say, life with Jesus happens moment by moment. It's, it's very, very ordinary. Actually, 99% of our life with Jesus is, I don't say boring, I mean like normal. Does that make sense? Like it's just step by step walking with a friend. Mountaintop moments like this are incredible and get us filled up and hyped and pumped, ready to go. But most of following Jesus happens in normal, ordinary moments when it's just you alone in a bedroom with a Bible, with some worship music, and you say, Jesus, I need, I need you. Moving on, live an as-for-me life. One of my heroes in the Bible is Joshua. And he, he said this thing um, to the people of Israel in which there was a culture of radical compromise. He said, remember, as for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. He said, you gotta choose for yourself this day who you will serve, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's called conviction, that's called resolve. And I wanna encourage every single one of you to get some time with the Lord and put that out there. Make a decision. As for me and my house, this is how I am going to live. These are the decisions I'm gonna make because if you've already made decisions before you get an environment where you are forced to make a decision, all of a sudden life gets a lot easier. Some people say like, oh, I don't need to worry about that. I think when I get into an environment of temptation, I'll, I'll be fine. That doesn't always work out. I wanna encourage you to make the decision before you need to make the decision. As for me and my house, and a life like that is not based on in the moment feelings, it's based on values. It's based on saying, Jesus, you come first. If I'm ever in any of these situations, I refuse to compromise and I'm making that shout now. Next one, and then we're gonna, we're gonna pray in just a moment. Um, I wanna encourage you to live differently. I wanna encourage you to live differently. Anyone like going shopping in real Super malls or shopping centers. People, is it, or is it just online now? Yeah, you like going back, trying on some real shoes. Um, you know, when you're walking through a shopping center and you've got the shops on either side, in the, in the windows of the shops, you've got mannequins, right? Now, the purpose of a mannequin is to look incredibly attractive and appealing and present clothes to you in order to entice you into the store. Because inside the store, there is so much more. The shopkeepers know that there are thousands of potential customers walking past the front of their shop every single day who aren't coming in, and if only they can put a mannequin in the window, which would look amazing, it might entice people in where inside the store there is so much more. Now imagine I'm walking down um, through a shopping center and there is a mannequin in the window looking like me, wearing my clothes, wearing these Nike shoes and these jeans and a black t-shirt. Will I be enticed into the shop? No. 
I won't be enticed in the shop because the shop is presenting a vision which actually offers me nothing. That mannequin looks, I, I, why would I need to go in the shop? Because the mannequin is dressed just like me. If we wear the same clothes as the world, then what do we have to offer? If we live differently, if we embody a life with God that is authentic and full of peace and full of joy, that refuses to compromise, even when we're in tempting moments, that says yes to Jesus in the easy and the hard times, we're presenting a different way to live. We're telling a better story that God is real and he is alive and he wants to know us. Jesus invites us to live differently. And finally, I want to encourage you to live with a vision of eternity. Your three years at university will go quickly. They will go so quickly. John Piper, um, I quoted him earlier, he tells this story which he describes as a tragedy. Um, in fact, what happened was a, few, a couple of people died in his church. That, that I think they were, had a plane crash. They were followers of Jesus. They were missionaries. And they were like 89 and 90. They'd spent their whole life serving some of the most vulnerable, broken people in the world. And they died all of a sudden. And, and John Piper gets up and he says, was that a tragedy? And he says, no, it wasn't a tragedy. They've gone home. They've spent, they've lived their life well. He said, let me tell you what a tragedy is. A couple called Bob and Penny. That's not Bob and Penny Fulton, by the way. This just happens to be another Bob and Penny. Bob and Penny took early retirement from their jobs in the Northeast five years ago when Bob was 59 and she was 51. Now they live in Florida where they cruise on their 30-foot trawler, play softball, and collect shells. He says, that's a tragedy. And people are spending billions of dollars to persuade you to embrace that tragic dream. Don't buy it. With all my heart, I plead to you, don't buy that dream. A nice house, a nice car, a nice job, a nice family, a nice retirement. Collecting shells as the last chapter before you stand before the creator of the universe to give an account of what you did. And this is what you say to the Lord. Lord, look at my seashell collection. What does the Lord say? I want to encourage you that life is short and God has big plans for you. And he wants to invite you into a whole new way of living. Do not settle for second best. Don't settle for comfortable, easy life. Say yes. And I believe today God is calling a generation to say yes, to live all in, to live sold out for him and his kingdom. And I believe that if we say yes to that call, he will transform our universities and our campuses. Amen.